Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, we're going to look at verse 19 through 20. Verses 19 through 20. If I had to title a message, the title of my message this morning is, I hate leftovers. I hate leftovers. And we're going to get into that. You're going to, you're going to understand in just a moment. Isaiah 44, 19 through 20, it says, No one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say. Half of it I use for fuel. I even baked bread over its coals. I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Such a person feeds on ashes. A deluded heart misleads him. Now, I want to I want to dive into one of the reasons why I hate leftovers. My mother, I don't know about you guys, but I grew up in a household that you ate, that you did not leave the table until absolutely everything was clean. The plate was exactly clean, perfectly clean. Anybody else grow up in a household like that? My mother would save everything. If there was like, if we're eating like, uh, you know, pork and beans, and there was one bean left, my mother would figure out how to save it and prepare it for the next meal. Does anybody have a mom like that? I have a mother that was like that. And so there was one thing that would happen in our household is like she would prepare these meals and she would, and, and I knew like even the bad meals, the ones that I did not like, that if I did not eat everything, that I was going to have to eat it the next day and the next day. So I came up with ways to kind of get around that. I came up with ways to try to figure all that out to get around those, those type of situations. You know, my mom would always serve sauerkraut and she would serve hot dogs, sauerkraut, hot, and I absolutely hated it, hated it. It was horrible. And so I figured out, though, if I take a napkin, I'm acting like I'm wiping my mouth. Like, I'm, Mom, I'm, I'm cleaning. That I could take some of the kraut, and I could take some of the hot dog, and I could throw it in there, wad it up, and at the end, I could throw it all away. I figured all that away. I figured that out, man. Genius. Genius at a young age. But my mother also, one of the things that, that, that we would purchase was, you know, a lot of like, uh, like nowadays, I guess it's called, it would be called great value, but we would call, you know, it's off brand. There was this, there was this brand back in the day. And if you didn't grow up with this brand, you didn't actually grow up. It's called staff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is the eighties staff off brand. And so she would buy staff macaroni and cheese. You know, it's like that macaroni and cheese that has the crumbles. Of the cheese. It doesn't actually mix in very well. It's, 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 it's crumbly. It's messed up. It's, it's not the same. I always liked Kraft. And then I liked Velveeta. I liked all those brands. But my mother was intent because she was saving money. She would cut every dime, every nickel. And she would save money and she would buy these off brands called Staff. And I, I absolutely hated it. One day, she found the greatest deal, I guess, known to man. And she bought all of this Staff. Chicken noodle soup. Chicken noodle soup. Now, typically, I like chicken noodle soup. You know, especially when I'm not feeling too well. But I want Campbell's. Or I want homemade. I don't want staff. It always, to me, it tasted a little bit weird. All right, and so here's here's what's, 
what, what's crazy, one day I come in the house and I see, and it's, the soup is boiling. And I know that my mother, she'll save that soup if I don't finish it. She's going to save it, and I'm going to have it the next day. And so we get a bowl, and so I, my plan is to eat about two bowls. You know, if I can get through two bowls, then guess what? I won't have to eat it tomorrow. Maybe I can get grilled cheese. I can get something fun like that. But I'm sitting there eating, and as I'm eating, there's like a little bit of a sour taste to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not horrible, horrible, but it's pretty bad. You know, it's like, it's just like a, and I, I think in Alabama we call it a wang. It's a little bit of a twang to it. It's like a little bit off. There's something off with it. And so I'm eating this soup, and I'm taking, I'm, and I, you know, and I also grew up in a house, if you complain, my kids don't even know. If you complain, boy, you just didn't complain. You just, you sucked it up. You figured it out. And so I'm sitting there eating, and I, and I could only muster through one, one bowl of soup. And so I knew, because she had bought all these cans of soup, she found every one of them. I'm convinced that she bought every one of them in that grocery store. And so she found them all, and so she put it in this pot. And so the next night, guess what happens? I come in, and we're having the soup again, the leftovers from the day before. And as I'm eating this soup that was the leftovers from the day before, it's a little bit worse. You know, like you're taking a bite and like, that, that time you're like making a weird face. It's like, uh, and, and there's a little bit of a tear coming down. You, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, this is weight. This is, this is sour. There's something wrong. This is not, this is beyond generic. This is beyond staff. There's something wrong with this. And so my mom, I finally looked at my mom and I said, mom, I can't eat this. I don't know what it is. It's gross. And so she wasn't eating it that night. And so she comes up and, and takes a bite of it. And she's like, oh, there's something wrong with this soup. So she goes to the cabinet and looks and notices an expiration date. <laughs> oh, yeah, you guys already know. I'm already there. We can have an altar call right now. But the expiration date. This soup, the Kansas soup, were eight months old, expired. I've been eating on this. So you wonder why when somebody brings me leftovers, I'm, I start shaking a little bit. Things start happening. I start getting a little crazy. I can't eat leftovers because of that situation. Are you with me? And so the challenge for us, like, you're like, man, Pastor Josh, what in the world? What I want to challenge you guys with this morning is this. We can't be satisfied on yesterday's meal any longer. We serve a God who's moving today. That has something fresh for us right now today. He's not dead. You serve a living God. Did you know that? You serve a living God who's alive and well. Buddha is dead. They buried Buddha and he's still dead. Muhammad is dead and he is always going to be dead. But you serve a God who died but then rose again. We serve a God who is active and who is moving. And so the challenge for all of us is this. If I serve a God who's alive and well, then my prayer life should be alive and well. My worship should be alive and well. My, my praise should be alive and well. No church should be dead if God is not dead. And so the challenge for all of us is this. is Can I be active in my pursuit of Him? Can I chase Him wherever He goes? Because He's always moving. He's always going somewhere. 
You know, when he died, he said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. So that means he's still got a lot left to do. And so the challenge for all of us is this, is am I going to be satisfied with what he did yesterday or am I hungry and thirsty for something new and fresh that he has for us today? Am I content with what I had just the day before or am I ready for what God has for me right now in this place? Because he's moving and he's looking for a generation that's going to be hungry again for him. And so Isaiah 44 paints this amazing picture. It paints this picture of this this guy who takes the time to go in, and the, the Bible says he goes and he gathers the wood. And he puts it down. And then the Bible says that he lights the fire. And then he goes in and it says that he begins to knead the bread. He got, gets the flour and he needs the bread. And then he puts it on the fire and bakes the bread. And obviously in this passage of scripture, it says that he, he was off and he hunts. And so he took, he, he hunt, killed an animal, skinned it, dressed it, and put it also on the fire. And so on this particular day, he's having bread, and he's having meat, and he has this incredible meal that's prepared for him, that he prepared, that he, that he took the time to go through the process to get to a, this place to where he has this good meal. And so it's, it's, it's awesome after he eats, it sustains him. It fulfills him, and, it, and it, it gives him nourishment for the day. It gives him nourishment for the journey. It gives him a, a, an extra, you know, kind of extra boost. You know, when you have a good meal, you feel, you feel strength, you feel energy. But what's crazy about this scripture, it comes to the next day. And the next day, the very next day, he doesn't go through the same process. He doesn't gather the wood. He doesn't start the fire. He doesn't go out and he doesn't bake the bread. He doesn't even go hunt for an animal, for meat, for fresh meat for the day. The Bible says that he began to feed on the residue or the ashes or what I like to call it is the leftovers of yesterday's meal. He begins to feed on the very thing that was yesterday. And so what, what's crazy about this whole concept is that this guy did not take, he did not go through the same process he did before to have a great meal. I, I often wonder, like, why in the world did he not go through the same process? Why did he find himself the very next day feeding on the residue, feeding on ashes, feeding on the leftovers? Maybe he's a lot like us. He got a little bit busy. Maybe he just was going through the motions. Maybe life was catching up to him. Maybe there was a lot happening in his life at that moment and he didn't have time to prepare the meal. But for whatever reason, he doesn't go through that same process. And my challenge for the church today and my challenge for Calvary today is we cannot be content to live on yesterday's meal. We got to be the type of church that will gather the wood. Did you hear me? That will gather the wood that will do the things necessary to see God show up in a powerful way. Have you, have you, when you, when you think about this process, you think, man, was this guy hungry? Did he lose his hunger? Did he lose his passion? You know, it's very easy to go through the routines. It's very easy to get 
get in a structure in church to where we miss out on what God is wanting to do. Where we always look back on what he did yesterday. If yesterday is better than today, then there's an issue. Did you hear me? If yesterday is all I can talk about, then there's a problem. There's an issue. Now, I want to talk to you. This church has had some of the greatest moves of God on this planet. In the early 90s, I remember crusades. There was an evangelist that came in. The Beltline campus packed. People were coming down for the altar to get saved. Incredible moments. We had choir that was like, I mean, Miss Phyllis up there just doing her thing. It was, it was incredible moments. Incredible moments. I remember those moments. Those moments are pillars for me. They're, they're staples for me. They're awesome for me. I remember some of the moments that we've had even being over here. Where we've had some great encounters. We've had some great moments. But I want to challenge you. I want to tell you today. I am not satisfied with what he did in 1990. I am not satisfied with what he did in 2000. I'm not satisfied with what he even did last week and last Sunday night. I want a new and fresh meal for today. And there's a church, there's got to be a church that says, I want the meal. I want the fresh meal. I want what God has for me today. I want what he has for me right now. But the problem is, is that when you don't take the time to gather the wood, when you don't take the time to bake the bread, to go through the process, and you, you get to this place where all you do is you look back and you live off the residue of what he did yesterday, we miss out on what he's wanting to do right now. You see, real revival is what I'm after. Real revival is what I feel like our church is after. Real revival is what we need in this hour. You see, another election is not going to bring a move of God to America. Another election is not going to change it. I don't, I don't care who you vote for. That's not going to change anything, to be honest with you, just to be real. The only thing that can change this nation, the only thing that can set this nation free, the only thing that can do something in this nation is Jesus Christ. That's it. Period. And we need a church that's on fire again that says, I'll gather the wood. I'll bake the bread. I'll do whatever it takes because I want a move of God. I want real revival. You see, real revival is all about his presence. It's all about his presence. Comfort and preference can stop. I want you to hear me. Comfort and presence can stop real revival. Comfort and presence. We need a generation to say that presence, that preference and comfort do not matter over presence. That my preference, like, like what I want, my, pre- my preference and my comfort. You see, in our American churches, we have the AC units set perfectly. <laughs> we have the lights set perfectly. We have everything, and if something's off, right? You know what that is? That's comfort. That's comfort. Those things aren't bad. But I want you to, I want you to understand something. We are after more than just that. We want real revival. And so it breaks off. It breaks off preference. It breaks off comfort because it doesn't matter what you sing. It matters who you're singing to. That's what real revival is. It doesn't matter who's preaching. It matters what he's preaching about. It doesn't matter about the lights or the smoke or whatever's going on. It matters, is God showing up in this moment? Is he showing up? Then I'm good because I'm all about his presence. I want his presence more than anything else on this planet. We need to be so hungry and thirsty for Jesus that we throw comfort and presence, preference out the window. And so... 
when you get to this place to where it's all about his presence, there's nothing else that matters. When you get to this place that's all about his presence, about him showing up, then nothing else on this planet matters. Because I want a move of God where my city, my cities are transformed. I don't have to go out there and be weird. I just have to go out there and show the light. And I want people to be drawn to it because there's something different. Because there's real revival that's taking place. Because I've been in the presence of God. Because when you've been in the presence of God, it would be like Moses. When he comes down, everybody knew that he had been in the presence. They knew that there was something different about him. And so if you'll gather the wood, I believe this with all my heart, that God will send the fire again. And you'll know, you'll know, you'll know, and they'll know that you've been in the presence of God. Because a real revival, real revival is, is one of those things where it begins to, when it, when, it, when it takes place, it breaks off all the limitations. It breaks off limitations. When real revival shows up, idols get broken. Because one of the things that happened back in the 90s, back in this great move of God that we had in this church, we started meeting on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Some of you guys remember. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, all this. What, what happened? Nothing else in those, in that moment, and the place was packed. Nothing else in the moment mattered more than his presence. So if we're looking back, and I've caught myself at times looking back, then that means I, I need to do something different today because I want a fresh move of God now. I want my kids to grow up in that moment. Do you understand? I want my, I want your grandkids to grow up in that moment. I want our families to grow up in that moment where they're on fire for Jesus. They sense his presence. They know his presence. They're taking his presence to school with them. I want it now. I don't want it tomorrow. I want it right now. I don't want yesterday's experience. I want now, today. I want a fresh meal for right now. You see, when real revival comes in, when it comes in, those idols are broken. You know what happens? It ain't a color thing. It ain't a black thing. It ain't a white thing. It ain't a Hispanic thing. It's barriers are broken. It's not an age thing. It's not just a young or old thing. When real revival shows up, I want you to hear me this morning. No one cares about where anybody came from other than the fact, did we come to see Jesus? Because there's no such thing as a black praise. There's no such thing as a white praise. The Bible says let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If I'm in the room with people this morning that say I'm here for Jesus, I'm here for his presence, I want you to give him some praise right where you're at. Real revival. Real revival. So there's some problems. This guy... Goes through the process. One day. Has a fresh meal for that moment. Then the next day. He's not willing to do the same thing. He's not willing to take the time. To get into. Whatever it is. That he needs to do. To have a great meal for that day. And he misses out on this moment. You see. And the Bible says. That he fed. On the ashes. He fed on the leftovers. You know, one thing about feeding on the leftovers, feeding on the ashes, it can be bitter. Have you ever met somebody that's been in the presence of God, that's been in a move of God, but for whatever reason maybe got hurt by the church because we expect everybody to be perfect? 
we're all messed up too. We expect everybody to be perfect, but that person that's maybe been hurt by the church or for whatever reason, all they can talk about is what God did yesterday, what he did the day before, what he did, what he did during that time. Have you ever been around people like that? What typically happens when I'm around them? They're incredibly bitter. Bitterness is like, is honestly like drinking rat poison and expecting the other person to die. You know, bitterness can keep you from an amazing move of God. So many people, they feed on that bitterness. Because maybe God didn't show up for them. There, there are multiple reasons why we'll feed on the leftovers. Because maybe you've been in a situation where you believe, for, believe God for a miracle. You believe God to show up in your life. You believed him. Maybe you prayed and you fasted and you cried out to God. And at the end of the day, you don't feel like he answered the prayer the way that you wanted him to answer it. If you're not careful in those moments, you can feed on the leftovers. It makes you bitter. It makes you bitter. And so it also when you're feeding on the ashes, when you're feeding on that, there's no nutrition in that process. You miss out on nutrients that you need each and every day to move forward in God because you're feeding on the leftovers, because you're feeding on the residue. And so my challenge for all of us in this room today is to not be a church that's just content with having a good service yesterday or a good service last week or a good move of God 10 years ago or a good move of God 20 years ago, that we're content to pursue Jesus, like we never had before, for a move of God for today, for the generations following us. I'm hungry for that. And so there's no nutritional value in that. So the challenge for each and every one of us is really simple. You have to ask yourself, what are you feeding on? When you think about what are you feeding on? Because all of us are feeding on something. All of us are feeding on something. And so you have to ask yourself, am I feeding on the right things that's going to that's gonna create? Am I, am I bringing the wood to the place? Am I gathering the logs? Am I doing what I, what, needs to, what, what I need to do on my part in order to see the fire of God fall like never before? Because the logs, the wood represents the altar. And I believe if we'll build the altar, God will send the fire. And so am I doing the right things? Am I feeding on the right things or am I feeding on what everybody else is feeding on? You see, we live in a culture that's addicted to social media, let's be real. And so you can look at social media, and you can make your determination of what God is doing in, this, on, in America, what God is doing around the world, based off of other people's opinions. I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to stand and declare this today, God is not finished with America. It doesn't matter who's in office. It, it, all that matters is if the church is there. If the church is there, God is not finished. And as far as I, you know, I have breath in my lungs right now. I feel like God is not finished with us. And he's wanting to do something in our nation, in our culture, in our society. And he can use us. He's not finished. He doesn't need a president. He doesn't need any of those guys. He just needs a church that says, I'll gather the wood. I'll gather the wood. And if I gather the wood, I know that he'll send the fire. I want So what... What are you feeding on? Because what you feed grows. What you starve dies. So what, I, what, what I'm feeding, whatever I feed on, is going to grow in my life. 
So if I'm feeding on, if I'm, I'm getting up and I'm, I'm going through my process, I'm, re- I'm having my quiet time, reading my Bible, doing the things that I need to be doing. I'm in church. I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm, I'm living my life like that. I'm feeding on the right things. And you know what you're doing in that moment? You're feeding faith. You're feeding faith. You're feeding life. That begins to grow inside of you so that when you encounter difficult times, when you encounter those times, you're ready for those moments. Because God is as much at work in our spontaneous as he is in our everyday life. So he's there. And so I've, I've learned in my life, I have to feed the right things. But so many of us are feeding off of the wrong things. We're feeding, and I feel like this is one of the strongest ones, comparison. When I get on social media, you look at somebody's family pictures and you're like, man. You know, some of you guys be looking at, man, you look at your husband, you're like, why can't you dress like that? Why can't you do, y'all getting on them. Why can't you do this? You see their pictures and they're all smiling and they're all like, hey, I'm going to tell you, I did family pictures last year and I made a covenant with myself never to do it again. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but kind of. Because on the way there, I had to threaten to pull the car over about five times. Anybody been there? I'm going, if y'all don't stop, I'm going to pull this car over. Never pulled it over because I'm all talk. I'm going to pull this car over. I'm going to stop it right now. And then we take the picture and everybody's smiling. Everybody's good. Everybody's like perfect. And, and there's people that look at that and they're like, man, I wish my life was like that. What we do is we compare our real life to everybody's highlight reels. And we miss out on what God is wanting to do for us right now. And we miss out on, on what God has for us because we're too busy comparing to everything else. You know, last year I took my wife to Alaska. And it was a surprise, it was a surprise gift. And it was something, a dream of hers that she wanted to go to Alaska. I hate the cold weather. But she loves, she loves Alaska, and, and, and she follows all those guys, that survival guys or whatever. All those guys that are out there in Alaska, whatever it is. I have no idea what it is, but she follows it. And so I wanted to, I wanted to take her to see the northern lights. So I took her up to, I don't even remember what city. I mean, it's like the northern, I don't know. So we're basically staying in an igloo. This is basically what's happening. It's, it's an igloo with heat. Praise God. I mean, we went dog sledding. It was awesome. I mean, it was great. But it had heat, so that's all that mattered. But the first night, we see the northern lights, right? And, and I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty, it's cool. The, the next night, it was a little bit better, you know, it was like across the, across the sky and all that stuff. It, I mean, it was, it was cool, and they, they moved a little bit or something like that. Uh, we had somebody take our picture, and they swore that they didn't Photoshop anything. They took our picture, we're smiling, and behind us, when you look at the picture, the whole sky is like green, blue, whatever, and it looks like it's all across. I'm going to tell you right now, that did not happen. (laughs) I saw it with my own eyes. That was never there. Somebody photoshopped something. You see what I'm saying? We compare. We compare. Well, if my life was like that. If my marriage was like that. No, 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 no. If you'll start feeding the right things, your marriage will start growing in the right ways. If you start feeding the right things, your family will start growing in the right ways. If we start feeding the proper things, then guess what? God is going to begin to show up in our life in a powerful way like he never has before. So the question is, what are you feeding on? 
I want to talk to people in this room that walked in the door feeding the wrong things. I want to talk to somebody in this room this morning that's feeding an addiction. That's feeding an addiction. That's feeding doubts. That's feeding an issue. That's feeding wrong emotions. That's feeding insecurity. You serve a God who doesn't, I I want you to hear me this morning, who doesn't just throw you away because you're feeding the wrong things. You serve a God that doesn't just throw you away, doesn't just say, like, there's a lot of people that quit on us, but you serve a God that never quits on you. There's a lot of people that, that will doubt you, but you serve a God who always believes in you. you. There's a lot of people that will compare you, but there's a God that says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I set you apart. I have a plan for you, not just everybody else, but I have a plan specifically for you. You serve a God that doesn't just throw people away. You know what's even better about that? You serve a God of second chances. When I feed on the wrong things or when I mess up or when I take a day and I don't gather the logs like I'm supposed to and I don't do what I'm supposed to, I serve a God who doesn't just quit on me. He gives me second chances. Or, hey, have you ever been around somebody that, that, that's had a second chance in their life in a church service? You see, second chance people are dangerous. They're crazy. Second chance people are a little bit different. You know what happens is, is that they, they've went through some things, they survived some things, and they got the scars to prove it. When they're worshiping, the mascara is running, the shirt's all untucked, they're sweaty, and, and a lot of religious people, you know, they'll sit back and they'll be like, man, what are they doing? What are they, man, I don't understand, that's a little bit too radical for me. That's a little bit too passionate for me. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they survived. You don't know what they've, what they've had to deal with in their life. Don't ever judge somebody's praise. See, second chance people, man, they're crazy. Because they know that God is for them. They know that they messed up. They know that they blew it. And they're, they're here today and they're survival and they're saying, I'm going to worship with everything that's inside of me. I'm going to give God everything I have. I'm not going to leave anything out there. See, I love second chance folks. Give me around a, a thousand second chance people over a couple of religious people that sit back and do this number. We're not a church like that, by the way. We're a church that gives second chances as well. We're a church that believes in a second chance God. And so I want to challenge you today. If you've been that person that's made some mistakes, you've been feeding the wrong things, there's a second chance for you. There's a second chance for you. You may, you may feel this morning like it's over. Like God can never use you. Like God doesn't have a plan for you. But what I feel like God told me to tell every person in this room today is if you'll gather the wood, he'll send the fire again. If you'll gather, if you'll gather the wood, that he'll send it again. He'll do it again. And so the challenge for all of us is this. In the Bible, the fire represents the presence of God. And so, it represents the presence of God. So if he sends a fire, I'm I'm really, I'm after his presence. And so what has happened to this culture, or what's happened to this generation, is we've been tested by sickness. Let's be real. We've been tested by sickness. We've been tested by disappointment. We've been tested by frustration. We've been tested by insecurity. But I feel like this. I I, I think you need to get ready. Because I believe that God is about to release victory over this house. Like he never has before. This fired up house. 
The Bible says, Jeremiah says, man, there was fire that was shut up in my bones. I felt it. I sensed it. And I want to tell you today that that's what's going to change a culture. You know, going through the kumbayas and doing church like, 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 you know, just, I don't want to blast anybody, but just going through the motions isn't going to work. I want my kids and I want the, I want our children's children to experience and encounter the presence of God. I don't want to look at my kids and say, you know what? The greatest moves of God happened in 1990. I don't want to look at my kids and say the greatest moves of God happened before you were born. I want to, I, I want to challenge you to contend with all of us. To see a fresh and a new move of God for today, right now. And so God's saying this. He's saying, if I'll gather, if I'll gather, if you'll gather this wood, if you'll do your part, I'm going to send the fire to Calvary again. I'm going to send it like I never had before. I'm going to do something fresh because there's a fresh meal for us today. Are you with me? I want everybody, if you would, I want you to stand to your feet. Oh, worship team, to go ahead and come on up. I'm not going to be content feeding on the leftovers. You won't see me carrying these out of a restaurant. You won't see me carrying this out. Now, my wife might. But you're not going to see me doing it. Because I don't want reheated, I don't want a reheated meal. I don't want to look back at yesterday and say, man, that was the greatest move. Man, God can never do something. No, 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 no. God has something better for us today, right now. Did you hear me? I believe that God is going to begin to release the gifts all throughout this house like he never has. But the most important thing that he's going to release, I feel like we're going to begin to walk in the fruits of the spirit like we've never walked in them before. We love to talk about signs, wonders, and miracles, but the fruits of the spirit may be the most important thing that we'll ever walk in. Did you hear me? So the challenge for us, are you going to be content to feed on the leftovers, to feed on the residue, to just feed on the ashes, to eat off of that? Or are you hungry today for a new meal? Are you content to just take one of these home with you and then show up in a couple of weeks? Sorry. Show up in a couple of weeks and come back and get a brand new meal for the, the next, to survive you another couple of weeks. Are we content with just going through the motions? Because I'm not. Are we content with just feeding on what the culture is feeding on? I'm not. Are we content with being just like everybody else or are we ready to stand out? Are we, are we content with just blending in? Or are we ready to see God move like he never has because... I feel like this right here is what a lot of us, including myself, have taken home at times. And I've been content with it at times. The Lord began to deal with me about a month ago about contending for a revival that my kids could be a part of. Contending for a move of God that your kids could be a part of. And your grandkids can be a part of. I don't want to just entertain them. I don't want to just build buildings just so they have slides and they have cool things like we're going to build over. I, I don't want to just do that just to entertain them. I want to raise up warriors. 
I want to raise up the next generation of leaders that are going to come out of this place and they're going to change and transform a nation. I want to raise up the next missionaries. I want to raise up the next business leaders, the next president of the United States. I have no idea what God has in store for this house. But I'm going to tell you this. If I'm content with taking this home, if I'm content with living my life and feeding on everything else that everybody else is feeding on, then I'm not going to see it happen. And so there's got to be something different. There's got to be something that stirs inside of me. There's got to be a passion that rises up inside of me. You may not be comfortable with worship. You may not be comfortable. You may be in this place and you're like, man, this is, wow, this is kind of, this is kind of crazy. I want to tell you right now, just hang around the fire a little bit. Just hang around. Because there's a generation that's rising up, I'm telling you. I was with a bunch of students last week or two weeks ago. And we had kids that were crying out at the altar for a move of God. I want to tell you that we had kids that were dropping vape pens right there on the spot. They were doing, I'm telling you, like laying things down. The things that they had been feeding on. The things that had been holding them back. And they, they started making a covenant. Making a decision with God that they're, gonna, they're contending for a move of God. So I'm telling you right now, as adults, as leaders, I want them to be able to look at us and say, look at that. That's what I want right there. That's what I want. I want their fire. I want their fire. I want that fire. I want, I want that. I want, a, I want what they have. Because I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I don't want this no more. I don't want that no more. So if I gather the wood, I believe with all my heart he's going to send the fire. If I gather, I don't want to look at yesterday. So I, I had a couple of opportunities. There's a couple of things I could have I could have done. I could do an altar call real simple. I could say, what are you feeding on? And there would be a lot of people that would raise their hands because most of us feed on the wrong things at times. I know that. I could do another altar call. I could do a different, just different styles, different all over the place. But this is what I'm this is what I'm after today. This is what I feel like God has told me to do. Are you willing? to gather the logs with me? Are you willing to gather the logs with your pastor? Are you willing to contend? Are you willing to contend for the next move of God? Are you willing? Are you willing to gather? Are you willing to gather whatever it takes? Whatever it takes. It may cost me some time. It may cost me some energy. It may cost me a little bit. For, it may, there may be a sacrifice on my part. There may be a moment where I don't feel like it. There may be a moment where it doesn't make sense to me. But is there a generation out there? Are there people out there today that say, I'm tired of being in just a normal, mundane, ordinary church? Or am I want to be a church that gathers the logs so I can see the fire of God fall? So I can see His presence like never before. Will you, will you gather the logs with us? Will you? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.